0: And then um, we'll we'll jump in with some uh, new things I feel like the Holy Spirit's breathing on with us today. Amen. Let me just again say thank you for being here, such a beautiful group in the room, and of course we've got several people that are joining us online, and um, I gave a shout out to Pastor Cornelius and the crew over in uh, Kenya during discipleship class uh, on Wednesday, but um, just give them a shout out. Uh, sometimes they aren't able to watch us live because of the time change, but Um, they uh, normally follow along with all these services and uh, so we welcome our brothers and sisters uh, halfway around the world this morning praise God that's a that's just an amazing thing aren't you thankful for technology technology is a tool I mean the devil's trying to use it for his purposes and, and agenda but amen our father has redeemed it and and we are learning how to use it more and more and better and better for his purposes praise God so here's just a statement that we'll Uh, jump in with father is weary of his children loving him but not trusting him if my children and grandchildren just couldn't say enough good things about me but didn't trust me what would their words of affection mean to me they mean very little right it's like yeah man i got the best granddaddy in the world but i i can't trust him any further than i throw him well again you know it rings kind of hollow when we talk about how much we love our heavenly father and yet we do not trust Him. Now, related to that, we find in John fourteen fifteen, 15, a, a verse from the lips of Jesus. He said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, we're going to look at what I believe is an Old Testament version of that uh, later in, in the message this morning out of Isaiah 1 and 19. And there, Jesus said, If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And there's, there's a connection between these two that we'll get to in a moment. But a lot of times... Because we hear this from a philo-based understanding of love, and if you're new to our study, um, there are two words in the uh, King James New King James Bible that are translated "love" uh, from the original language. The first is philo, which speaks of you know warm, fond affectionate feelings for uh, another person, and and this is what we often think of when we when we think of love. We think of uh, of a go- of of philo. I'm sorry. And, um, but the other word that we find is the word agape, and it's also translated love. And this word means something completely different. It means to esteem, indicating a direction of the wheel. It's talking about something that, that we make a choice based upon evaluation. Um, so when we talk about God being worthy, this, this is tied in with agape, to where you know we determine his worth to us and then respond to him. Agape includes the ideas of obedience, duty, respect, devotion, service, and faithfulness. So which one do you think Jesus used? He he said, if you agape me, keep my commandments. Because we're so accustomed to thinking philo when we hear love, we're almost put off by, by Jesus saying, If you love me, keep my commandments, because uh it almost sounds like he's manipulating us. You know, it's like well, if you almost like he's trying to guilt us into doing it. Right? If you really love me, you would do this, you know. That's not what he's saying. That's not his attitude here. He's saying, if you agape me, now, I said there were two words that I wanted you to think of first when you hear agape and when you hear philo. And the first thing I want you to think of when you hear agape is what? Somebody hollered out at me. It's respect, right? And the first thing I want you to think of when you hear philo is what? Somebody hollered out to me. It's feelings, right? So so he's saying if you respect me, right, if you respect me, what, what does it mean to respect him? It, it, it means to recognize his power, to recognize uh, his heart for you, to recognize that everything he 's ever said, every word he 's ever written, every word he 's ever spoken to you, about you, commanding you, whatever, has been with your best interest in mind he's not he 's not trying to to, to scam you. Uh, when he when he talks about you paying tithes, when he talks when he talks about you loving your enemies, when he talks about some of these quote unquote hard sayings of Jesus, it's not because he's trying to diminish you or make you the doormat of the world or, or or make you live like a pauper. Every word he's ever spoken to you has been because he wants to help you, he wants to bless you, he wants to prosper you, he wants to promote you, he wants to protect you. He wants. Are you following me? I can just go on and on with this. All right. So when he says, "If you respect me, keep my commandments," we've said it another way as well. Um, to, to, to trust him enough to do what he says, to trust him enough to do what he says. Now, um, oh, i got so much stuff, but I just feel like this, I just keep coming back to this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Again, it's a question that he wants us to answer. It's one that he wants us to think through because there are a whole lot of people in our world today who call him Lord, Lord, but do not do what he says. And it's, it's true of folks in the Old Testament, true folks the new testament this has been a problem that father has had with his children since he created adam and eve and put them in the garden and the answer is very simple we call him lord lord because we have philo for him and we do not do what he says because we lack agape or let's let's use the words that that we're learning here okay we call him lord lord because he has a special place in our hearts but we do not do what he says because we do not respect him enough to do what he says now last week we began to talk about worship and where worship fits into all of this and the important role that worship plays in learning to trust God that's ultimately what we're talking about we've been talking about that now for some time learning to trust God learning how to trust him And we've said that there's only one way to learn to trust God, and that's by trusting Him. And there's only one reason why we don't. That is because we're afraid of what will happen if we do. And so somewhere we've got to move the needle, so to speak. In other words, we've got to break out of leaning to our own understanding and trusting God more and more and more. Um, In some ways, it's flipping a switch. I got that. But in other ways, that switch can be like a dimmer. And Proverbs 4 and 18 talks about this. He says the way of the of the right, the way of the just, is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter to the perfect day. What is, what is he talking about there? He's saying every step you take on the path God has for your life, the, the next step becomes a little more clear. It becomes a little more illuminated. It becomes a little more obvious. He says unto the perfect day. The perfect day is when the sun is straight overhead, high noon, and where you're concerned, there's not even a shadow. And other this is when the path for God has for your life has become perfectly clear. Now, I know if you're like me, you wish you could just reach over and turn the switch on and all of a sudden you go from not having a clue to seeing everything perfectly clear. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a progressive thing because it involves the renewing of the mind and if the mind's ever going to be renewed and reconditioned, we're going to have to cooperate with God in the process of doing that. I'm not necessarily here to preach on that this morning, but when we talk about going from leaning to our own understanding to trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, okay, okay, Um, we see that that comes in 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 a progressive work in an incremental work amen let me just try to show you this in your own life do you trust him more today than you did two years ago or two months ago yes but do you trust him as much as you need to no see we, we we've still got room to grow in this and our willingness to cooperate with him um, has everything to do with whether or not we learn to trust Him more than we do right now. And so, again, I'm wanting you to understand how worship connects with all of this. And, and worship is one of those things, and I'm not trying to offend you this morning, but worship is one of those things that a whole bunch of God's people think they know what it is but have no idea what it really is. Because we think that what we just did was worship, and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Okay? Okay? And you say, well, it was for me. I sang every note of every song. I would, no, no, just hear, hear me out, please, okay? Um, what we just did was called praise and giving thanks. And that's extremely important, but it's not the same as worship. Okay, worship is related to praise and giving thanks, but they're not the same thing. And, and this is an area of, of misunderstanding uh, in, 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 in the body of Christ today. And, and it can be traced back to this philo without agape for the Lord. Philo can praise Jesus for hours on end, okay, but never even go to a church, never even attend a church, never even, um, <laughs> or praise Him you know, for, and sing about Him for hours on end uh, because He has a special place in your heart, but never do anything that He says amen all right so so Matthew 15 and 8 Jesus said it this way he said these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men now how much do you think these people who do this trust God here's here's even a more important question how much do you think people who do this think they trust God See, that's, that's what philo does to you. It sets you up and it, and, it, and it deceives you into thinking that you trust God more than you actually do. Peter's our, our classic example of this, right? I'll die with you, Jesus. I'll this with you, Jesus. I'll, I'll do this for you, Jesus. If everybody else forsakes you, Jesus. See, that was his philo talking. That was his emotions. His feelings were talking there. He let his philo write a check. His agape couldn't cash, right? Because he, he, he didn't have the commitment. He didn't have... The, the proper worship, if you will, the proper understanding and respect for the Lord. Amen. And and I know I mentioned this, and I, I don't want to go too far down this road, but I need to correct an error I made a few weeks ago because the Holy Spirit corrected me on this. Do you remember when, when Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me more than these? And, and there's great debate is whether he's talking about the fish and, and actual fishing or if he's talking about the other disciples who were present. And I told you I tend to lean towards the fish instead of the disciples because Jesus wouldn't do that. Holy Spirit corrected me on that. He corrected me on that. He said that he said Jesus was absolutely talking about the other men there. And I said, Well, Lord, that I just don't sound like something Jesus would do. And and here's what he showed me. He said every time he bragged about how much he loved Jesus, he was insulting those other men's commitment. Every time he talked about his love for Jesus, he did so in the context of it being greater than all the other disciples. Are you seeing this, right? So in a court of law, the judge would say to the attorney, you open that door. You see, Peter opened that door by comparing himself and the young people use this word diss, you know what I'm saying, diss like dissing. Every time he bragged about how much he loved Jesus more than everybody else, he was dissing everybody else. So when Jesus restored him, it was a public fall, so it was a public restoration. But when he did it, he looked at him and he says, So Peter, do you respect me more than all of these others? Because clearly he didn't, right? And this was what had to be dealt with, and this was what had to be addressed in, uh, in Peter's life. Okay, that was just an hors d'oeuvre, or hors d'oeuvre, Okay, d'oeuvre. I mean, I could talk for an hour about that, but we'll stay focused, okay? All right. So these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but the heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching his doctrine and the commandments of men. So notice he's talking about, it's not that they don't worship, but he says what they're calling worship is vain. It's futile. It's, 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 it's not effective. It's not doing what, what Father God desires for worship to do. It's not accomplishing in their lives what worship was meant to accomplish in their lives. Listen to me. Worship was a meant to, was, is, is intended by God, was meant to accomplish something in your life. I'm going to jump way ahead of myself, but let me go ahead and tell you, whatever it is that you worship, it transforms you into its image. Whatever you worship is, is going to have an impact upon the way you think, and if it's impacting the way you think, it's going to impact the way you feel, your emotions. If it's impacting your emotions, because emotions, what do they do? They influence our choices. And so ultimately, whatever you worship has tremendous impact on, on your life reality. Okay? Now, we'll talk some more about that, not this morning, but in the days ahead. So he says they're worshiping, but it's, it's, it's in vain, it's pointless, it's futile. It's not accomplishing um, the very thing that worship was meant to accomplish. And so we see in John 4, I'll put the verse on the screen. I'm not going to read it just for sake of time. We see that what Father is doing, he, he is um, he's looking for true worshipers and, and, and he desires uh, seeking such to worship him in spirit and in truth. Right? So what do we learn? And I'm fixing to get some new stuff. Just thank you for bearing with me for a minute, okay? Philo without agape for the Lord produces phony and feudal worship. Feelings without respect for the Lord produce phony and futile worship because that's plugging in the two words that I want you to think of first, no matter how this makes you feel. And we covered some things about worship and feelings um, last week. Amen. I'm not going to try to go back to all of those things, but one of the things that we said was that our philo-based, our feelings-based approach to worship deceives us into thinking God is pleased if the experience caused us to feel something. This is how clueless we've become as to what worship really is. So Philo will sing all day about the worthiness of God, but what does that really mean to him if you value your opinions about life and living above his word? Now, I finally got this statement correct, all right? It took us a couple of weeks, all right, but here we are. Worship has nothing to do with your feelings. Whose feelings does it have something to do with? father's feelings it's not about how the practice makes you feel what you experience it's what does he feel what does he experience when you worship him when i worship him okay now romans chapter 12 verse 1 gives us some really important insight into this and the in the new king james version says presenting your body a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to god is your reasonable service but so many of the other translations reveal what reasonable service actually means. And reasonable service actually means spiritual worship, worship that is appropriate, worship that is acceptable, the true way to worship, and then the passion translation, your genuine expression of worship. Okay? So presenting your body a living sacrifice to God is your reasonable worship. Now, we defined worship last week from the scriptures, and here it is, okay? Worship is your proper response to God based upon who He is and who you are in respect to Him. It's not just about who He is. Again, you can sing all day about who He is and never acknowledge who you are in relationship to who He is. That is the huge, huge thing that, that, that determines whether or not it's, it's true worship or it's vain or phony worship. Okay? You still with me? Am I going too fast for you? Worship is your proper response to God based upon who He is and who you are in respect to Him. So we often hear these two words, praise and worship, linked together. As a matter of fact, if, if you listen to online music services, Spotify, Apple Music, what have you, um, you can actually search for praise and worship music and you find it as like a category, right? And there's some awesome, uh, by the way, music that's, that falls into uh, that category. So these two though, and, and, and you do know words mean something, right? We've we got to understand the difference between praise and worship. Because one of the things that Philo has deceived us into uh, thinking uh, in, in the modern day church is that praise and worship somehow are the same thing. They are related, but they are not the same thing. So here's the point. Philo, without agape for the Lord, will deceive you into thinking that praising God is the same as worshiping Him, and it absolutely is not. Okay? It absolutely is not. Now let's go back. I know I've said this a few times already. Let's go back to our definition. Worship is your proper response to God based upon who He is and who you are in respect to Him, okay? So think of worship as an attitude, okay, an attitude of the heart which says what? I know who you are, God, and I know who I am in relationship to you, in respect to you, okay? Okay? then anything that you do as an act of obedience, as an act of service, as an act of even praise to God from that attitude, that becomes your expression of worship. You still with me? See, I'm, <clears throat> what, I'm, I don't want to like make you uncomfortable, all right? But let me, I'll, I'll pick on my my brother. Okay, I'll pick on Matthew for a minute, all right? Watch what I'm fixing to do, okay? I'm fixing to publicly praise him and give thanks to him, okay? Um, Matt, you know, thank you so much. You've done so much for me and my family. You help my children all the time with their automobiles and and just anything that, that, that I've ever needed. I'm out of town or whatever. You've always been there for me. Thank you so, so much for that. Um, you're an amazing brother. Um, you know, what you do here at the church and the way you've done it so faithfully for so many years and, and led your family and all these other things, It's just a beautiful thing. You've set a great example. So what am I doing? I'm praising him. Are you seeing this? I'm praising him. I'm pointing out to him, and in this case, I'm publicly doing it. I could have told him all this after everybody left, just me and him, right? And that would have still been praising him. But now I'm I'm praising him, and I'm doing it in front of other people. Parents, let me tell you one of the things that you could really do to help your children their their self-image is you could praise them in front of their peers you could praise them in front of their elders you could you could point out to them things that that they do that honor you and bless you in the hearing of other people You, you with me sometimes we we praise them if at all publicly and then i'm sorry privately we praise them if at all privately but then criticize them publicly right you know we we tend to point out the positive things, you know, when it's just they you caught them in the act of cleaning up the room and you go, man, you're doing a great job cleaning up your room, right? But then they do something that disappoints you in front of your in front of other folks, and because you're embarrassed, you go, I don't know what I'm going to do with that kid. You know, he he just won't listen. He you know, all right. So it would be one thing for me to praise, and I see we're not used to using those words in relationship to, well, that's blasphemy. No, it's not. I'm, I'm just simply pointing out um, some very positive things about my brother, and I'm doing it publicly, all right? Now I'm fixing to worship him. Whoa, no, Pastor. See, again, it's because we don't know what worship means. Worship is me communicating to him that I know who he is and I know who I am in relationship to him. Are you following this? He's my big brother. Makes makes me his little brother. Right now, if you're a little brother and have a big brother, you you understand what that relationship looks like. Amen. Right? Sometimes I, I annoyed him uh, out of his mind, um, and and sometimes uh, we were rough, and he was bigger, and he won. But nobody else better mess with me. Are you follow what I'm saying? I could go on and on with this. All right, but watch this. I know who I am in relationship to him. Watch this now, Matt. It's an honor to be your pastor. It's an honor as your little brother, to have a position of serving you as a pastor and for you as an older brother to respect me as that. But I also know that you're a prophet. You're a prophet to my pastor. And the Lord put us both in Mama's womb to do what we do in this building, right? And and because I know who he is and I know who I am in relationship to him, we have worked together long before Heritage ever started. We used to jump in his little 280Z and travel wherever anybody let us come, right? And so because I know who he is as prophet, and I can say the same thing about that man sitting right back there in that purple shirt, Donald Ballard, another prophet that God's put in my life as a pastor that speak into my life on a consistent basis. Now, see, if I don't know who I am in relationship to these two men, I won't listen to a word they got to say. Who do you think you are? I'm the pastor of this church sending me some kind of message, calling me, telling me what I need to look at and think about. No, no, see, again, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. Why am I grateful for it? Because I know how to worship them. I know who I am, and I'm very comfortable. Are you seeing this? I'm very comfortable in who I am in relationship to who they are. I'm thankful for who they are. I'm not them, and they're not me. Their role in the body of Christ is different from my role in the body of Christ. But now watch this. I know who I am in relationship to every person in this room. And and some of you don't even know your names. Let me tell you you who I know I am of the Word of God in relationship to you. I am here to serve you. I'm not here to lord over you. I'm not here to micromanage your life. I'm not here uh, to make you dependent upon me. A lot of pastors do that. They want the people in their congregation to be dependent upon them. They want them to look to them for everything. My friend, I am not here to try to get you to look to me. I'm here to teach you how to look to him. You see the difference, right? But see, if I don't know, if I don't know who I am in relationship to who you are, if I think I'm somehow your Lord, that I'm, I'm somehow, uh, you know, you say, well, you're a shepherd. I am a shepherd. And what's a shepherd do for the sheep? He lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't saddle up the sheep and ride them. Are you you seeing this? See, this is why there's so much confusion in the body of Christ today. It's because we don't understand worship, first of all, and where it's most important, who we are in relationship to who God is. See, that's what provides the foundation for me to know who I am in relationship to who you are. Are Are you seeing this? Now, I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable by using these words... In relationship to other people. But I'm trying to show you how we're confused when we only think of worship as something that we do in a building on a Sunday morning, should we ever show up in one. Worship is an attitude of the heart, it's an attitude of the heart. So let's go back to it then. Philo without agape for the Lord will deceive you into thinking that praising God is the same as worshiping Him. It's not. Praising God and giving Him thanks are two ways to worship God. Both are proper responses to who He is and who you are in respect to Him. Are you seeing it now? <laughs> this, this, this is, uh, these are two ways. An emphasis on two ways because they're not the only ways, right? Praise and giving thanks to the Lord are two ways, but far from the only ways to properly respond to who God is and who you are in respect to Him. Praising and giving thanks are the easiest two ways. Are you with me this morning? These are the easiest two ways, especially when you have anointed men and women of God who can play skillfully on instruments and and sing beautifully new songs to the lord and and put the words up in front of you so all you got to do is kind of stand there and try your best to clap on beat and sing them we came i was raised up southern baptist and you know we didn't clap our hands at all and so that was a skill that i did clapping in 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 rhythm was something i didn't learn until I, i was 12 years old and we went to pentecostal church and and they clapped their hands right And man, for a good three years, I'd have to look at the person next to me to kind of line myself up with them, right? But amen, I'm I'm not dancing yet, but I got the rhythm in me anyway. Praise God. All right. So praising and giving thanks are the easiest two ways to properly respond to who God is and who you are in respect to Him. Matter of fact, I double-dog dare you to try to keep your praise and thanksgiving to yourself when you realize that. When you realize who He is and who you are in relationship to Him, about every twelfth word out of your mouth will be, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, attending church is another way to properly respond to who God is and who you are in respect to him. Now, let's get something, let's get something straight. okay? And not, if you think I'm fixing to fuss at you about not coming to church and you're here, that's not what I'm doing. Just hear me, though. Just hear me, though. Okay. We tend to think of going to church as going to the place we worship God okay you say well is that not right it's right but it's incomplete okay just because just just because you go to a church and stay the whole time doesn't mean you ever worship God you can go to a church service sing every song every word of every song lift your hands in the appropriate places and inappropriate ones and all that other stuff and leave and take notes of the message Remember we used to do CDs and... Get a CD. You, you can do it all, right? And have never worshipped God. Because again, these things are not the same as knowing who he is and knowing who you are in relationship to him. Philo will deceive you into you just blew it out of the water. You just worship God like nobody ever worshipped him. In your, and you didn't worship him at all. So we tend to think of going to church as going to the place we worship God. We should instead understand the obedient act of faithfully attending church to be as much as worship as anything we do once we get here. Are y'all okay? I'm just, I'm I'm trying to, we need to get some things straight, okay? Well, all right, let's get the family ready one more time. We're going to go worship God. No, see, getting the family ready, getting up and doing what has to be done to get here, all of that is worship. If you're doing it because of who He is and who you are in respect to Him, that's worship. Finding the shoe that you can find every other morning of the week, but you can't find it on Sunday morning. There's worship. If you're doing it because you want to wear both shoes to go into the presence of your King. Amen. This, this one slide right here, if we'll understand this and practice it, Um, it'll change the world and expedite the return of Jesus to planet earth. Are you ready? 99% of all our worship should take place somewhere other than a building with a proverbial steeple on top. See, everything you do, right, can either be worship. It can be an act of worship unto God, right? Service unto Him. (laughs) what's the alternative service unto yourself do you realize that you can serve other people and you serving other people can be an act of worship to god if you serve those people understanding who he is and who you are in relationship to him and then by uh because you have that understanding now what you do for others you do as unto the lord Now, this next one, I might might want to just kind of brace yourself, okay? I'm just kidding. Failing to acknowledge who God is and who you are in respect to Him turns praise and thanksgiving into futile attempts to butter God up so He'll give you what you want. The same can be said of church attendance if it's done without Agape. Now I've even I've even heard people teach on praise and worship this way. They they use the example of 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 a kid trying to butter up his mama and his daddy, you know, because they're trying to get something out of them. Right? Now listen to me. You get, see, we've got to get the worship part right. If you get the worship part right, then you can crawl up in your Heavenly Father's lap and you can touch Him, you can move Him, you can cause Him to stand to His feet, you can cause Him to cry, you can cause Him to call for angels to come and watch you. Okay? I'm not saying that you don't have the capacity to, to move Him and to motivate Him. I, I watched it with my children. Now I watch it, with my grandchildren, and, and you know Oliver, of course, is, is, is older, but when I see him sharing, when I see him uh, you know, giving what he has to, to other people, when I hear his uh, preschool teacher talk about how if there's a little girl in, in his class who's very shy and very bashful, and, and she likes to isolate herself at three years old. She likes to isolate herself. And Oliver will not let her isolate herself. But when she goes off by herself and left out by the other kids, she, she will, Oliver will go over there and sit down with her and talk to her and encourage her. See, when I hear those kinds of things, are you kidding me? I, I, I'm, I'm just like, I'm looking for something to buy him and give to him, to bless him and reward him, all right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that, that you know, the actual response, right, which is what? First and foremost, who he is, who you are in relationship to him. But see, Philo, Philo wants to try to do an end around that. Philo wants to leave out because he's got such a special place in my heart, Jesus, you know. And we really don't have time, like, to get in the Word. We really don't have time to build our faith. We really, I mean, we got so many other things going on in our lives. I mean, my goodness gracious, you know. We're good to make it to church once every couple of months. And, and, um, but, you know, man, Jesus, you're so awesome. You're so cool, and we're, and we're so thankful, Lord. And I really do need your help right now. See, so he's trying to butter him up. Do you not think the Lord can see through that? Praise the name of the living God. You're getting quiet on me, okay? now I'll be honest with you now when, when when the Lord first first spoke this to my heart, I questioned whether or not it was him because it it didn't it didn't make sense at first to me, and so I mentioned it to you last week and and but I'm still kind of having this before the lord it's kind of a step of faith to even confess it last week okay but here is a very important um i want to use the word process here it's more than just a process i'm not trying to make this some uh you know uh formula or something like that but but it is it is in some regards uh, a very important formula that that we need to understand so i'm going to ask you to keep an open heart open mind and and in the few minutes we have left i'm going to try to weave some of this together in a meaningful way with the Holy Spirit's help. Amen. Are you still with me? All right. Now, what we agape, agape, first word, what we respect, we worship, okay? What we agape, we worship, period. Period. What we worship, we serve, period. What we serve, we trust. Listen, long before we started down this road, however many months ago now, I've been asking the Lord to teach me how to better learn to trust Him so I can teach you how to better learn to trust Him, learning to trust God. And this, I don't know how many months we are into it now, but, you know, the best answer we had initially was the only way to learn to trust God is to trust Him. All right? And that's still true. Don't misunderstand me. But there's something beneath the surface that's not as obvious that we absolutely need to understand. Okay? So... What we agape we worship, what we worship we serve, what we serve we trust. Now, let me just say that a little bit, use some different words, but say the same thing, okay? Agape leads us to worship. Remember what agape is. Agape is respect, but I don't have time to go back. We spent two and a half weeks on what respect really is. Respect begins with an estimation. I mean, agape respect begins with an estimation. It's the value, the, the, the valuation that, that that you place upon um, for that matter, anybody, anything, but as it comes, to, as it relates to God, the, the the way you value Him, the way you esteem Him, and so this is why proper proper agape for the Lord, act of your will in in relationship to your value, what He's worth to you, His estimation of His worth to you, this is what ultimately leads to worship. Worship is what you responding to God based upon who He is, in respect, you know, and who you are in respect to Him. Yes. Okay, I'm trying to lay all this out. I I kind of stumbled over my words right there. This is is the connection between worship and service that we find in Romans chapter 12 where we even see the word could be translated reasonable service, reasonable worship. It's because worship that is true worship, which means it's agape-based, respect-based, not feelings-based. Okay. I'm trying to just give all these, just a gazillion little things right here, okay? Um, agape leads to worship. I'm talking about, again, respect based uh, worship. Respect for the Lord leads to worship. This kind of worship, which is true worship, this is what leads to service, okay? And serving. Don't get caught up. I've got some things a little deeper in my notes. I don't know if i get to them. Don't get caught up in service. I'm just using service here because that's the word we find in Romans 12. But when we talk about serving God, we're just basically talking about doing. Are you are you following what I'm saying? Doing, that's why praise and thanksgiving, giving of thanks, it, it, they are absolute expressions of worship as long as we know who God is and who we are in relationship to him. But they're the easiest two. You can do that in your recliner at home. But when we talk about worship leading us to serve, service, we're talking about doing things. Do you realize how many people in the body of Christ, I'm going to act it out, this is their attitude, okay? We'll come, but don't ask me to do nothing. See, when it's respect-based worship, that true worship, Is going to lead you, we could even say motivate you to service. And then it's that service that leads you to trust God more and more and more. Now, I want to show you what happens though, because this is what's happening today in the body of Christ. If you take agape out of this and instead try to substitute feelings, Philo, if you love me, if you agape me, keep my commandments. If you try to take agape out of this and insert philo in its place, and this is, this is what's happening today. This is why philo without agape for the Lord is one of the greatest problems in the body of Christ today. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced of it. Okay. Everybody talks about declining church attendance, declining church membership. We're entering into the post-relevant era of the church, blah, blah, blah. Let me, let me tell you what. Let me tell you at the heart of all of that. There's all kinds of people today that Jesus still has a very... Because, again, it's so conflicting. It's so conflicting because you ask people about Jesus and this and that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You go to church, oh, no, I ain't been to church in years. See, they have a special place. Jesus has a special place in their heart. Philo. Don't respect him enough to go to church like you ask him to. Or do anything else like you ask him to. This is the the problem that has to be corrected. And at the heart of this then is an effort to, to substitute philo for agape. But when you do that, it throws the whole thing off. And it's why we fail to connect what we serve to what we trust. See, again, remember, what we serve, we trust. Okay? See, we... It's why let me just maybe you already got it two weeks ago, okay, but this this was the part for me I'm like, father, I'd, what we serve, we trust because I mean, I, we think of we think of what we serve as being beneath us, okay maybe it maybe it would be thank you Holy Spirit, it' make more sense if uh, it'll be there next Sunday, okay who we agape we trust, who we worship, we serve, who we serve, we trust let me tell you why. I'm, I'm getting way ahead now. You still with me? Praise the name of the living God. Okay. <clears throat> you know, according to Jesus, according to Jesus, right, if we're not devoted to Him, anybody remember what He said? Because you can't serve two masters, <laughs> right? Anybody remember what that other master was? Mammon, which is a, 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 a God that embodies money. Coming soon to a pulpit near you, all right? Let me stay focused right here. So trying to substitute philo in place of agape throws the whole thing off. And because we still look at agape from a feelings perspective instead of a respect perspective, we don't readily connect what we serve to what we trust. So let's walk it through. Philo leads to vain feelings-based worship because our true respect and devotion are elsewhere. You still with me? We're going we're to take a test around here in the days ahead. I'm going to give you one of the questions on the test, okay? What upsets you more? What causes you greater anxiety? Being late for work or being late for church? leave that alone for now you see when we try to put feelings in place of agape this leads to vain feelings based worship because our true respect and devotion are elsewhere and the Lord knows it you're not fooling him he's not trying to drop a hammer on you but you need to know you're worshiping him in vain okay now let's follow it through Feelings based, vain worship leads to serving God from a position of guilt, self righteousness, or not at all. It's not that people who have a uh, philo based approach to, to, to God and a feelings based approach to worship, okay. It's not that those folks don't serve God at all, but it again because we've tried to substitute philo for agape, now we're serving God it's some again it's it's either one of three positions. You either don't do it at all, or you do it out of a sense of guilt, you know, I'd rather be doing something else, but my goodness, I guess I need to go try to do my part, you know. Or it's <clears throat> I serve God more than you all. Look at me. Look at all I do around here. I'm the backbone of that church. I'm the pillar of this. Well, that whole place would fall apart if it wasn't for me. So now, you still going to love me when I'm finished? All right. So philo without agape for the Lord has turned serving the Lord into nothing more than coming to church. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord at least two Sunday mornings a month when we can make it. It's not serving God. Coming to church, again, can be worship. But when we talk about serving God, we're actually talking about serving God. We're actually talking about doing something for Him or for somebody else as unto Him. Do you see why Philo without agape for the Lord is the greatest problem facing the church today? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to walk you through some things. Like, yeah, but if we, if we commit to serve, then we have to be there. The dilemma of trust is control, right? If I actually signed up to help and do something, then, you know, if I woke up on a Sunday morning and wanted to go fishing, I'd, you know. And the Lord understands. Because I have a special place for him in my heart. So serving God out of guilt or to be recognized by people can actually cause you to resent the Lord instead of facilitating your trust in him. No joy in that. You know, the Bible says if you do it to be seen by men, whatever pleasure you got out of being recognized by other people is, your, is the only reward you can look forward to. Now, I'm trying to, again, I'm just trying to show you where all this leads because fellowship with God and cooperating together with Him is your destiny. Philo without agape for the Lord will turn these things into drudgery. That's why coming to church is drudgery for so many people. Drudgery. Notice what the devil's done. All he's had to do is get you, deceive you into substituting philo for the Lord in place of agape for him. And he's turned your destiny into something that seems like the most uninteresting, dull, dry, boring thing you could ever be a part of. And it's what you were put on this earth to do. It's what he created you to do. It's what he gave you purpose and grace in Christ Jesus to do before time began. And we wonder why our lives are so meaningless. We wonder why we're, we're so miserable and nothing has any joy in it and all these other things. Let me try one more way and I'm going to reverse it now. If there's a lack of trust, it's due to a lack of service. If there's a lack of service, it's due to a lack of true worship. Because true worship is service. Are you with me? If there's a lack of true worship, it's due to a lack of agape. One more time, what's the first thing we need to think of when we hear agape? It's due to a lack of respect. You got three more minutes? So don't overthink service. Serving God means doing the things that please Him with the right attitude. Here's your verse, Isaiah 1 and 19. I mentioned this in the beginning. I wanted to get here. I'm glad we're here. Isaiah 1 and 19, he says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You don't even have to believe there is a God to know you want to eat the good of the land instead of the bad of the land, right? Right? We want the good of the land. We, we, we want um, the best that, that life offers us. We, we want the good things. Guess what? I got good news for you. Your Heavenly Father wants you to have, experience, and enjoy the good things. That's why we say good things coming. Jesus, Hebrews 9 11, is the high priest of good things to come. He's our high priest, and he is overseeing good things coming in our lives. Now, I want you to think about this because obviously... He's not just saying, if you're obedient, you'll lead to good of the land. He says, if you're willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. Philo for the Lord without agape for Him will cause you to hear this incorrectly. In the same way we hear, if you love me, keep my commandments incorrectly. These verses are not intended to manipulate your emotions. See, that's philo, feelings. These verses are not meant are not intended to manipulate your emotions. Father sent Jesus to deliver you from guilt. If you're sitting under people who are constantly using fear, guilt, and shame in an effort to motivate you to do What God has called you to do, run for your life. Jesus bled to death naked on a cross to deliver you from fear, guilt, and shame. Those things are not in my toolbox. If you're waiting for me to make you feel guilty to get involved in the work of the ministry here at Heritage Christian Center, you're going to wait until you hear the trumpet sound or I preach your funeral. I'm not here to shame you. I'm not here to guilt you. I'm not here to, to scare you into doing it. Father's not pleased by that, and so what's the point? Not doing you any favors by doing that. Father sent Jesus to deliver you from guilt. He's not trying to guilt you into listening to Him and doing what He says. Philo, without agape for the Lord, will cause you to hear this as, are you ready? This is how so many people hear this, that God is saying, look, if you'll just do this for me, Then I'll do that for you. If you would just please, this one time, do this for me, then in exchange, as a trade off, I'll do this for you. And I won't ever ask you to do anything for me again. And how many times do they ask you to do something again? If you just do this one thing for me, Our Father's not a beggar. Remember now, let's see if we can get the right understanding of this. Father can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. Okay? So, He's not the great cowboy. Cowboy drives cattle. Shepherd leads sheep. He's the great shepherd. He's trying to lead you. To your destiny and Satan is trying to make you think your destiny is drudgery okay and we make it very easy for him when we're high on philo for the Lord and low on agape So He can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. So here's the message. You ready? Here's the message for from Isaiah 1 and 19. I've got it kind of two variations of it. The message to you and me in Isaiah 1 and 19 is this. If you will follow my instructions with the right attitude, I will be able to lead you to my best life for you. If you are willing to trust me enough to let me lead you in a way you have never gone before or done it before, you will experience and enjoy life on a level you cannot get to by yourself. He's not saying, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. He's saying, if you will trust me enough to listen to me and let me lead you down a path in a way that you've never gone before, I'm going to take you to places you can never get to on your own. And guess what? You're going to really, really, really like those places. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Praise the name of the living God. Praise the name of the living God. So remember now, giving God a place in your heart is not the same as giving Him a place in your life. Philo will give Him a place in your heart. Agape gives Him place in your life. By a place in your life, I mean uh, uh, your agenda becomes his agenda his agenda becomes your you follow what I'm saying that's what we mean by place in your life praise God Father we come before you this morning thanking you sir for the correction that you're bringing to our lives by way of your holy word and your holy spirit Father certainly from our best efforts we we have tried to worship you but now Lord you're You're really helping us understand what worship really is and and how to go about it and that it's more than just something we do when we're in this room. Father, I thank you for increasing our understanding and our awareness of who you are and increasing our understanding and awareness of who we are in relationship to you. Father, you're not trying to make us feel small. You're not trying to to make us feel insignificant. Because who we are in you is big. It's very significant. It's the significance that that every person on this planet is is trying to obtain, is trying to achieve, Father. Not trying to make us feel like Ants or peons or nobodies. Lord, that's the devil's job. He's trying to trivialize us. Lord, you're wanting to open our eyes to why it's so important for us to live our lives in worship to you, in service to you. All of these things will make trusting you so much easier to do, Lord. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this family of faith. I thank you, Father, that you have positioned us and, Lord, are using us. And I thank you, Father, that you're glorifying your name in us. You have glorified your name in us in the past. And you are glorifying it again on a greater level now. I thank you, Father, for greater rest that comes into our lives once we come to terms with who you are and who we are in relationship and respect to you. Father, that our lives are not our own to do with as we please, that we've been bought with a price, that you're our potter and we're your clay. You are so much more to us than a potter. And we are so much more to you than clay. But potter and clay is where our relationship began. Help us, Father, to never lose sight. It's not our place to accuse the potter of making a mistake. It's our place to understand the heart of the potter and to surrender and yield to your plans and your purposes for our lives. And I thank you that you're making from every, out of every one of us a vessel of honor full of your power, full of your authority, full of your glory, Lord, full of your wisdom. The fullness of him who fills all in all is the prophetic word you spoke over us through the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. Growing up into your Son, Jesus, in all things. Father, we look to the week ahead. Thank you in advance for divine appointments that you've already circled on your calendar concerning each one of our lives. Help us to not miss those things, Father. Help us to not be so focused on worldly things that we miss the divine opportunities that you're placing in front of us. And Lord, we are ready to serve. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. You go in peace. Know that you're loved. If nobody's told you that this morning, you are loved. Thank you again for being here. For those of you who joined us online, have a great rest of your day. We'll see some of you Wednesday, if not before.